Our scripture for this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. I invite you to listen now for the word of the Lord to you this morning. This is Jesus speaking. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten young women took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, look, here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those young women got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other young women came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Holy God, may my words be your words, and our thoughts be your thoughts, our strength and our deliverer. Amen. Well, if you're thinking that this is a strange parable to read as we anticipate Stewardship Sunday, you're not wrong. Uh, I would much prefer if the bridesmaids who packed a little extra oil would have shared their oil with those who did not bring enough. That would have been... uh, Fairly slam-dunk stewardship uh, Sunday sermon. But this is the parable that we've got. And uh, before I say anything else, let me just clarify that this is not a story about who gets into heaven, right? When Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, he's talking about what the world is like when God is in charge. And not just someday at the end of time or up in the clouds, but right here and right now. And this is a parable designed to get Jesus' disciples, and then by extension, you and me here today, to think about what, what would it mean if we could see the world as a place that God actually acts each and every day, which I actually think is a wonderful thing to think about as we anticipate Stewardship Sunday. And by the way, don't miss uh, that Jesus' description of the kingdom of God is a giant party, Right? The late Robert uh, Capon wrote about this passage, passage, and he said this, When all is said and done, when we have scared ourselves silly with the now or never urgency of faith and the once and always finality of judgment, we need to take a deep breath and let it out with a laugh because what we are watching for is a party. So Jesus tells the story about this party. It's a story about 10 young women, bridesmaids, called together to light the way for this wedding. And of the 10, only five bring enough oil for the lamps. And as time wears on into the evening, they all grow sleepy and they fall asleep. And they were awakened when they received the call that the wedding was about to start. But only five had enough oil. The five who didn't pack enough went and scrambled to see if they could find more, but they had no luck. And while they were out trying to find oil, the door was shut and they were denied entry. So let's break this down, okay? Who's who in this parable? Well, 
the bridegroom is Jesus. The wedding banquet is the kingdom of God, this party. So far, so good. The oil represents faith, right? And I think this is really, really important. The, the oil is not just resources to share. It isn't good works. It isn't uh, moral behavior. It's faith. And this is why the five young women who packed extra couldn't share it, right? There are some things that cannot be borrowed, and faith is one of them. But who these young women represent, who these five foolish, who these five wise represent is left unclear in this parable. And the power of this parable lies in the question that it raises in each of us. And that question is, to which group do we belong? The poet uh, Mary Oliver once observed that attention, attention is the beginning of devotion. Attention is the beginning of devotion. And I think that it offers one of the best interpretations of this parable's that I've found. Jesus says, stay awake, or as other translators translate it, watch, therefore. In other words, if you want in on the party that is the kingdom of God, you got to pay attention. And yet, you and I, we live in an age of perpetual distraction. If we're honest with ourselves, most of us spend our days in a state of partial or divided attention. Well, you know, a word for this is multitasking. Uh, but we're not really multitasking. We're just switching from one task to the other, uh, and we're rarely giving our attention, our full attention, to one thing. And then there's these wonderful devices that we carry around in our pockets each and every day. Um, like Frodo, you know, with his ring, we think that we can control their power, but we are left somewhat powerless uh, to them. Microsoft did a study a few years ago uh, that revealed that the average attention span uh, of most people is about eight seconds, which is not great news to hear uh, as a preacher at all. <laughs> For those of you who weren't paying attention, let me repeat that. Uh, the average attention span is eight seconds, okay? The other night, my wife and I were out to dinner. Uh, the kids were with my parents, and we were enjoying a nice uh, meal together. Uh, Abby had been traveling earlier in the week, and so we were catching up when I felt the buzz in my coat pocket. You know, you familiar with this buzz? And I'm just new enough here in this role that I worry all the time that I'm missing something important, right? Like there's a meeting that I'm supposed to be at, a dinner, um, like when is session meeting? You know, what, what time is it? And, and I realized that once I felt this buzz in my pocket that my attention uh, was no longer where it needed to be. My mind was racing to who, who could that be? Uh, and not only did I realize it, but Abby realized it as well. And so she shot me a look. You know the look, right? The, uh, are you serious right now? The, uh, where are you? Uh, look. And I confess, you know, I, I just, I think I got a text. I got to, I got to respond to it. I'm worried I might need to be somewhere. And so, you know, I interrupted our meal and I checked my phone. And what did I find? Nothing. Nothing important. It was a weather update, right? <laughs> our devices tempt us to give our attention away all day to people and to problems and to products that are frankly just not worth it. Uh, the 24-hour news cycle alone is designed to prioritize whatever is the most urgent and viral uh, instead of whatever is the most true and beautiful and good. In 2016, there were two reporters from the, the website BuzzFeed uh, who decided to live stream on the internet and 
this is real, an experiment to see how many rubber bands they could put around a watermelon before it exploded. Maybe you were one of the three million people who watched live over the agonizing 43 minutes and 686 rubber bands that it took to blow this thing to smithereens. Um, and no judgment, if you were, okay? I was not among them, I read about this later. The experiment itself was kind of interesting. For example, I did not know that it would take nearly 700 rubber bands to blow up a watermelon. But the comments were really interesting. And one commenter said this, I've been watching you guys put rubber bands around a watermelon for 40 minutes. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> Can you relate? Maybe you haven't spent 40 minutes watching some ridiculous experiment on the internet, but I imagine that you have your own version of distraction during which you wonder to yourself, what am I doing with my life? A few years ago, there was a tweet that went viral which said, there's a guy in this coffee shop sitting at a table, not on his phone, not on a laptop, just drinking coffee, like a psychopath. <laughs> Distraction is so normal nowadays that anyone who can just sit still and drink a cup of coffee sticks out like a sore thumb. Our culture is, as T.S. Eliot once wrote, distracted from distraction by distraction. The Book of Common Prayer invites us to confess we have attended to those things we should not have attended to, and we have not attended to those things which we should have attended to, and there is no health in us. And so one appropriate response to this parable this morning is to ask yourself, to what am I giving my attention? So what am I giving my attention? Who is it that you notice throughout your day or spend time thinking about? What are the longings that you hold uh, in your heart? What occupies your headspace or your prayers? Are you giving your attention uh, to things that leave you anxious or afraid or overwhelmed? Are you squandering it on mindless entertainment or doom scrolling on your device? Or maybe you dwell too much on the judgments of other people that leave you insecure or uncertain? Or have you built habits of attention that provide purpose and comfort, hope uh, and resilience? A habit of prayer is a really good place to start, but you could also just consider turning off the notifications on your devices, on your phone. You can literally do this. It's in the settings. You can turn them off or sit still in a coffee shop without a device to just collect your thoughts. The 2017 film uh, Lady Bird, maybe you've seen it, follows uh, a young girl known only as Lady Bird uh, through her senior year of high school in a suburb of Sacramento, California. She's a, a typical high school uh, girl, I think. She struggles with math and relationships. Uh, she has a rather loose and somewhat irreverent relationship with the Catholic Church. She dreams about the future, and what she really wants to do is get out of Sacramento. The movie, uh, I think, is a brilliant meditation on a lot of different things, on uh, the struggle of growing up, it's coming of age, it's on parenting and money and status, learning to feel comfortable in our own skin, and the ways in which the future just doesn't always work out the way that we think it's going to work out. But the strongest theme is that paying attention to the world and to the people around us is a kind of grace that enables 
love. And in one of my favorite moments of the movie, Lady Bird is discussing her college essay with her school counselor, Sister Sarah Joan, who observes, she says to her, you write about Sacramento so affectionately and with such care. And Lady Bird is surprised by this, given how much she doesn't like Sacramento. And she replies that she just kind of pays attention. And Sister Sarah Joan looks at her and says, don't you think those are the same thing? Love and attention. Love and attention. Uh, in a Q&A following the film uh, at a festival, the director, Greta Gerwig, shared that part of the inspiration for the film came from uh, the philosopher Simone Weil, who said that attention is the purest and rarest form of generosity. Attention is the purest and rarest form of generosity. You think about that. Attention as an act of generosity, even the way we talk about it as something we give. It's true. What we give our attention to shapes us. It can give us anxiety or it can give us peace. But it's also true that what we attend to is an act of love and generosity towards others. And I genuinely think it's maybe the most powerful gift that we can give is our attention. Next Sunday, we're going to have the chance to come together as a community and to pledge towards next year's budget, and I hope that you will join us. It's a significant and I think powerful moment that we do together as a community, that we come and we pledge together. It's an effort that we all make, and it's possible that we can reduce this moment every single year as just a, a practical decision. We've got to keep the lights on around here. We've got to pay staff. We've got a mission that we want to fulfill. It's also possible we could reduce it to a financial decision, a number, but it's much, much more than that. It's a time to consider together what is worth our collective attention, and therefore, it's a decision that we make together about what it is we love. Which means that as we build the budget for next year, what we're saying is that we love the children and youth of this church by devoting money and resources to their formation. Uh, we love the hurting, we love the suffering, we love the lonely with every dollar that we devote to congregational care. We love future generations of Christians, uh, people we will never meet in this town and in this community by taking care of this campus and the needs uh, that it has. We love God by devoting resources to our worship together. And of course, uh, through the work of Rummage and our mission committee, we love the outsider. We love those who are needy. We, lo we love the poor. So this week, spend some time asking yourself, to what or to whom am I paying attention? And come back next week ready to answer that question together with this entire community. In a world of perpetual distraction, Jesus calls us to give our attention to the kingdom that he is building. My friends, this is our moment. Let's not miss the party. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.